0: Peter rejoins us, he's the head of Mint AI. Peter, it's great to see you again. Um, for those of you who don't know about Mint AI, what is Mint AI? What do you guys do? So we're artificial intelligence specialists. Uh,
1: we specialize in computer vision and specifically around using face recognition to, uh, to make things easier for people to work, to enable trust between people um, and really to make the workplace frictionless and more secure um, and really, just easier for people to get their jobs
0: done. Okay, that's very cool. So I imagine that uh, COVID nineteen and this pandemic has been very interesting for you. And how has how, how has this pandemic changed the market? And then how have you guys, for example, adapted as a business? So the pandemic's been fascinating. Um, as it kicked off, one of our
1: products is uh, face recognition and access control. And as the pandemic kicked off, we had a lot of very exciting to use things like. Uh, fingerprint access coming to us and saying, well, this fingerprint stuff is not uh, is not for us. Um, let's yeah. use face recognition. So we've been doing it for a little while and we believe that identity management and trust should be handled with some sort of factor like face recognition and object detection, vision, etc. cetera. Um, mm. The pandemic is, I think, just kind of nudged that curve a little bit faster than it would have progressed before. Um, so I don't think that we're doing anything specifically different because of the pandemic. I think that we would have headed there in the next five to 10 years. But but it's brought on a hell of a lot quicker. Um, And then more broadly, you know, business is different. So uh, we've had to change slightly the way we do things. We we focused predominantly on vision kiosks that could recognize you and objects in a room. And now we're focusing on kiosks that can recognize you and objects over a Teams or a Zooms call, for example. Um, So it's it's been a little different, uh, but I must say it's been fascinating. We're, We're a tech business at heart. We love AI. We love tech. Um, and just watching how tech has kind of crept into and and then bootstrapped the whole world because of the pandemic um, yeah. really has been great to see.
0: Well, I mean, you know, when you talk about the stuff that you've been talking about, I mean, artificial intelligence, uh, cognitive computing, I mean, these have been buzzwords for a couple of years now, and especially in the last 18 months, it's really accelerated. And uh, I guess many businesses have tapped into that, and those who had, uh, you know, the capabilities to 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 tap into those technologies obviously benefited through COVID because, I mean, COVID was, you know, uh, not, I shouldn't say designed for these technologies, but really these technologies have really made life a lot easier easier for organizations. So how do you use these technologies to address the challenges that COVID-19 has brought for us? Right. So in a number of
1: different ways. Uh, Before COVID came along, we built um, what we call touchless kiosks. So this is a kiosk that you walk up to, it recognizes you, it kind of unlocks and shows you your details. Um, And then you can speak to it, you can interact with it. So to give you an example, we do have actually a COVID check-in tablet. Um it's mounted on the wall. You walk up to it, it says, Hi Peter, welcome. You speak your symptoms, I, I know no symptoms or uh, a bit of a fever, and then it can actually say thank you and, and let you in the building. But but that's not all. I mean, that's in, still in the physical presence world. And and what yeah. COVID has taught us is that physical presence is here is to stay, but can be reduced significantly. Um so for example, one of our one of our products, the, the verified products, it allows you to Verify who somebody is rapidly using several checks, using artificial intelligence, face recognition compared to home affairs database, take a quick picture of your ID documents and allows you to do this at a distance where you know after 25 to 45 seconds that that person is who they say they are. We perform liveness. So they're looking at their phone or a Teams window. We can tell at all points, is it a live person holding holding up a picture or a tablet or a phone? Mm. Um, we compare your... Face to three different uh, sources, a a captured document, home affairs, etc. So really what it's allowed us to do is take a a paradigm that you in the physical world. Um, You know, let's say you go on junk mail and you want to buy something, but you have no idea who the person you're interacting with is and you'd actually have to physically go and meet them before you can prove who they are, hold up your ID for me please, etc. We can now do that at a distance in 25 to 45 seconds using a Teams call or a mobile link um, you, you speak to the person, you say, I'm just going to do a verification for you quickly, send them a link. A minute later, you've got a response back. This person is who they say they are, they're a valid person. In home affairs, you cannot deal with them. We basically give them that little verified with minutes tick. So it's kind of, it's changed the way that works. But again, to me, that is a technology that was going to come. And it was going to really change the way we do things. You know, Teclot delivers a package. Um, they can just hold up a camera, click, click of your face, and you've got proof of the person, their GPS location, who they are, verified by and the package. Yeah. So much better than holding up a piece of paper and signing it. Or, you know, a state agent goes to a show house, they verified someone, they hold up their camera and take a picture. Yes, I see you, John. We're at your home address. Thank you. These are all things that that we can do with AI right now. But I think they would have come. I think they would have gradually kept into our society. I think they would have helped to improve things. It's just that COVID has gone, we need this we need it now. Um, and and Hence, we've brought
0: these offers out. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, there's no reason to do things in the analog world like we were doing in the past. I mean, and, and, and I guess that this pandemic has really highlighted these, um, uh, you know, if you can call them gaps in the market, you know, that you physically have to fill in forms and that sort of thing. We shouldn't be doing that kind of thing in 2020. And I guess... Um, the advantage uh, that 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 Mint has, for example, is the the Papier Act that's coming into 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 Act now. You know and how this data is protected, and I guess citizens are more will be more trustworthy in the people that you're sharing that personal information with. Whether you take a picture or that process that happens in the background, uh, you know that that I am trusting of how the data is going to be managed, because I think that's been one of the reasons that people have been a bit hesitant to, you know, get involved with technology and share that kind of personal information. Maybe I'm wrong there, Peter. No, you're absolutely right. The funny thing is that new tech tends to be held to a much higher standard than existing tech. So
1: I'll give you an example. When we describe what we do, I'll take a selfie of you, I'll check with Home Affairs, I know who you are. The first question people ask me is, what about Poppy? Where are you storing that? Now, now to me, that's a very valid question. We've got a long list of things that we do to be Poppy compliant, but the funny part the same. Happily drive into an office building and sign their name on a piece of paper and never ask where does that (laughs) go? Who looks at that piece of paper, etc. So, you know, our our business jumps through several hoops to be public compliant. My entire business does privacy training once a year. We have board level meetings every month on how we store the data. We have endpoints. We have a consultant, on retainer that continuously updates our policies now. The person who's handing you a piece of paper at reception to scribble your name on, I don't believe they do the same thing. And I think most people in the back of their head know this, but because it's new tech, it's scary, it's it's shiny, you know, these, these questions come up and there's the highest standard for it. So absolutely, I see it as an opportunity. I see, I would much rather walk into a business, you know, one of our kiosks, for example, can be in a hospital. You walk up to reception and they look up, look you in the eye and go, hi, Peter, welcome. Don't worry about filling in forms. we have got all your details. I would much rather do that than scroll my name on all those pieces of paper, because I have no Absolutely. idea where those paper go, whereas the digital records, you know, it was born in a world that is poppy, you know, and GDPR and all those things aware, and so they were built from the ground up to handle that. Um, so oh, I, I think one. it's an opportunity, and I think as a consumer, I'd much rather deal with digital systems because I have a slightly higher level of trust that that digital system was built with privacy
0: from the start instead of having it retrofitted. Makes perfect sense. And I tell you, it freaks me out those forms that you have to fill in with your personal information. Where does that paper go afterwards? It probably gets chucked in a dustbin. I don't know. You know, compliance, you've got to keep all those records, but, you know, you don't know. Uh, so I feel a lot more safer and uh, m- a lot more trustworthy with technology. So tell us about this this first line workforce and, uh, you know, the deskless worker that we talk about in South Africa. It's a, It's an interesting concept. Yeah, so I mean, it's a it's an oft ignored concept,
1: unfortunately. So when we talk about tech, a lot we think about people who are sitting behind a desk. You've got a screen, you you walk and you sit down every day. You log on to your Outlook, Office, etc. And and we kind of think of that as normal with tech. And I don't think that's the case. I think in South Africa, especially, most people in the workforce those those of us that are lucky to have jobs will not have a desk to sit down at. Um, you know, think of a, a miner or somebody who works on a factory floor or, or that kind of stuff, and all of our systems, processes, etc., are targeted at getting somebody information digitally. So, you know, I would say, I'm going to send you, I'm going to email your case up to you. But what if that person has no place to go and sit and get email? What if they can't actually, you know, there's no station for them, they have to wait to get home. Um, and we think it's quite a large market. We think it's an unfortunate and um, a little bit neglected market. So what we have is these kiosks um, that we call them public displays of private information. And they use... Face recognition and all sorts of other technology, um, in order to prove who you are, show you your information, um, but it's a privacy screen. So, picture a tablet uh, in a booth or on a wall. Someone walks up to it. It says, "Hi, Peter. Uh, here's your pay slip information. Here, whatever you want." But as soon as another face comes into the viewfinder, it locks straight away. And if mm-hmm. I walk out and somebody else walks in, it will open up and, and show them their kind of information. So, so that's the tech for me. It's, it's serving a problem that most people, I don't think we're unaware of it. I think we just, our heads are in the sand about it. And um, there's yeah, such yeah. a large workforce that doesn't have access to the things that we take for granted.
0: So, why is it so important to um, trans, you know, to digitally transform? Everyone's talking about digital transformation. And I guess many people understand why, because it adds all the agility and everything, but certainly things have changed so much this year when it comes to digital transformation. W- what are your key findings that you have found in addressing this particular market?
1: So, you know, um, I, the, the irony is there's not a very key tech finding. Um, you know, the technology, we've had this tech for three or four years now. Um, it's more of a environment and a people change. Um, so, classic example, um, like, yeah, before we used to have work from home and teams all the time, right? But I would meet <coughs> the customer, and I would always have fancy shirt tie, and, you know, because that was expected in the world. Now I meet customers, and they're in sweatpants, and I'm in sweatpants, and everyone's happy just because the whole world kind of changed their thinking around that. First-line workers, we're finding, is the same thing. Now that workers are starting to come back into the workplace, the first thing on everyone's mind is how do we keep them safe? You know, we, we want sanitizer. We want checks, check And the next thing is, right now, the world has shifted to digital, but here we have a large population that has no access. Their their gateway to this entire digital world is missing. Um, And so, you know, working on things through mobile phones, working through kiosks and tablets, all that kind of thing is now starting to come up. And it's funny, it's almost like a second thought. It's almost like, oh, thank God we got our workforce back. We've kept them safe. Now we can start with this great new tech revolution, and the first question is, well, how are they actually going to access that? What's that? That window, that key that they can use, um, and we take it for granted. Um, and and you know, a lot of people don't have that.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting world, and I, I guess we'll we'll never go back to the way we were doing things. Um, and and really, things have been turned upside down. To such a degree that uh, we're all looking for efficiencies and bringing efficiencies into organisations, and you certainly address many of those efficiencies. Tell us a bit about the Mint Vision platform. Uh, it's quite interesting how it's uh, adapted to business and uh, and and you know re- relating to the first line worker that you talk about. I mean, this Mint, the Mint Vision platform is really fascinating. Yeah, I mean the platform is, is great. It's, it's our
1: kind of flagship product. We've been working on it for the last three years, and, and it started out. Uh, basic face recognition, so we did some projects for public clinics where we used face recognition to identify patients, to move them from one station to another. Um, Really great from a privacy point of view because you can have a patient sit down and their details, their personal medical details, will only unlock and be shown to the doctor when they're physically present in front of the camera. Um, You can only dispense medication to them when their details are loaded and the nurses' details are loaded, etc. So we've grown the platform now and it does computer vision. you know, computer vision is also one of these kind of nebulous marketing terms, people hear, like, oh, computer vision, but what does it actually mean? For me, computer vision is anything where you would benefit from having a human being sit and watch a video feed 24 hours a day, but they never get tired. They pick up everything that happens, um, and they can take action based on that. So think about a security guard watching a factory floor, and he wants to watch it for 24 hours, and as soon as somebody knocks over a paint, and he needs to call someone, we build systems that do that. Um, they don't get tired. They don't fall asleep, you know? So the vision platform has grown now to become something that handles um, identity. I mentioned before, we can send a link to someone a minute later, we know exactly who they are. They're trusted, they're verified. And when we recognize them, we can take for granted who they are. We can recognize, for example, how many people in a room are wearing a mask versus how many aren't. Um, We can can open a door uh, or let's say a turnstile at the entrance to a mine based on whether you're wearing a mask, but also on whether you've actually completed your health and safety training. And that's frictionless. You walk straight up to the turnstile and it will say, I'm sorry, you're not coming in, you um, we, we haven't watched your full kind of video. Um, part of the platform, because we have this really great liveness detection, t- tell if you're a live person or not, and we recognise who you are, we can host things like your health and safety video. We can only show that to you, so nobody else can watch it. As soon as you move out the view frame of a picture, it'll lock it. But more than that, when you say, I'm done, I've watched this video, Imagine you get a a kind of a report that says Johnny watched it, he came in at 10, he left at 3, most of the time he looked at the screen, but 20 times in the hour he looked down at his phone. Um, And if you want, we can have screenshots of, you know, him watching the video. Tied into the fact that as he walks up to the turnstile, it can go, click, click, thanks, Johnny, you're up to date, walk straight in, etc. So it's kind of enabled us to build a full end-to-end touchless world based on verification and trust with who somebody is. Um, All of it... With a
0: minimum physical interaction and as minimal friction in your life. Okay, I mean though, and I uh, imagine that uh, from a fraud point of view, uh, you can eliminate a lot of fraud by identifying someone and dispensing uh, medicine, for example. Um, uh, so, so there's some some great case studies there. So, what what does an organisation need to implement something like a vision kiosk? So the kiosks themselves
1: are pretty straightforward, Um, you'd need something that displays it, uh, so the actual hardware itself, the tablets, uh, you need a Windows 10 machine, your receptionist computer, any computer that runs Windows 10, Um, our applications are in the Microsoft store so you just download them, and then we create a tenant for you, we give you a key, it's got all of the details loaded, it takes about an hour for us to create that, and that's it. Our goal is to be so, so frictionless that we'll just get up and running quickly. Uh, show you the results, and then if you want to engage further and have some configuration that talks to your business, um, then we send our consultants in and they can help you with that. Um, but really, for, for a demo platform that you don't want, you know, your logo and special you know, text and all sorts of designs that we can do, if you want, just out-of-the-box kiosk, download click click install, ask us for a key, and you're up and running.
0: Okay, and what kind of in what kind of industries, for example, have adopted this technology and way of working? Is it flexible across boards, or are you seeing it more in in certain industries than than other industries, for example? Yeah, it's
1: a great question. I mean, I thought at first it would be um, typically your your kind of. Um, Industries that either have a fraud problem, so we're talking financial sector, the banks, etc., cetera, um, or industries that are focusing on the customer experience. So, you know, you walk into a BMW dealership and it says, hi, Aki, welcome. I know you'd like a cappuccino. Sit down, it's on its way. We can do that with this type of kiosk. Um, interestingly, though, a lot of our work has been done in public sector. So for the clinics, um, in South Africa, for example, you're not allowed to turn someone away from a clinic. And some of the clinics, some of the provinces don't have digital records. So we would find patients who would come in and say, oh, I'd like to pull my chronic meds, please, and be dispensed. they walk down the road, I'd like my chronic meds, please, and they'd hit 10 or 12 clinics at a time. The fraud isn't significant. So in those cases, the pharmacists were given a kiosk that only allows you to dispense the patient as they arrive, unlock their details, cut the fraud down to, to next to nothing. Um, we're running a project at the moment. We're busy going live in uh, one of the big universities where we've put cameras up at the front of, of 72 of their classrooms, and we do automatic Attendance management, the students walk in, sit down, have their lesson, walk out, and we pull a report who was there, who was there, who was not supposed to be there, and who was supposed Mm -hmm. to be there, but but not. Um, Again, not really caused by COVID, but kind of accelerated along that line, because all our systems need to be touchless
0: now. Sheesh, I, I would have been in big trouble when I was studying if we had uh-huh. this kind of technology <laughs> that,
1: yeah, you know, it, the students have interesting responses to that as
0: well. <laughs> I'm sure they do I'm sure they do but I mean I mean the applications are just completely broad as you were talking about that I was thinking about uh, lots of other different applications that you could be using uh, for this kind of technology which is uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, and, and it's and, and in terms of connectivity does it require a lot of bandwidth out of interest?
1: no not really
0: um so we we rely on
1: about a 3g connection um typically what we do is we're tracking as much as we can locally so little tablets running there it's looking at what you're doing who's walking what it's got some quite nice smarts inside it as soon as it thinks he has something that really needs to be processed captures and shoves it off into the cloud the cloud does all the heavy lifting typically that takes about a second to come back um, and then it says this is the result this is what you need to action so and mean i would say you know ai one of the main reasons it's come to the fore is, is cloud and cloud processing. It's very, very hard to do these sophisticated type of things on, on edge, on the device. But at the end of the day, in terms of network traffic, all it's doing is capturing this and sending it up into the cloud. And we typically say anything bigger than about 200 by 200 pixels, we'll get a good recognition of a face or an object or something. And that's tiny. You know, that's, yeah. um, you know, you, you, that's a couple of WhatsApp messages. <laughs> so it doesn't really need that much, but we do rely on connectivity. We, had, we have in our system a lot of functionality that will work locally and wait for a connection to come. And we built that because we thought hmm, connectivity a bit of an issue. What we yeah. found even in rural areas is it's not actually. In the last kind of year or two, it's really come to the fore, the mobile providers, fiber, et cetera.
0: That's interesting. So, Peter, the uh, mint advantage when it comes to this technology, what is the mint advantage?
1: So we've had, I think we've got a couple. I mean, we've got uh, really good guys. I think every business would say that, but we've got some some sharp minds. Um, we Our tech is homegrown, uh, so we've built most of it up from the ground. And then the third thing I'd say, we rely on, on Microsoft Azure in the cloud, um, and we use their processing, and, and their stuff is really good. I think the combination of those three just really sets it ahead. Um and then in terms of the soft person, we we come from a long sort of set of businesses where we focus on the customer experience, we focus on the, the business end result. So we're techies, we love tech, we build, you know, little robots and things, we built a coffee machine that makes you coffee when you look at it, but at the end of the day, we know that a project is only successful if it really integrates seamlessly with the customer's life and if it just makes their lives easier. So um, tech for tech's sake is, you've got to be careful there, it's better to understand what your customers need, how the flow will work, um, and then put that in place.
0: And I think we've got a team that does that. Mm. And Peter, I mean, when you look at this uh, technology and you look at these vision kiosks, just coming back to what we were talking about, how could these vision kiosks uh, potentially integrate into existing systems? So if you've already got something that you're using an organization, can a vision kiosk integrate into that?
1: Absolutely. And we'd actually
0: prefer it to do that. So uh, if you think about what we do, we're, we're, and
1: trust specialists. That's what we do. We'll recognize people and objects. We'll take action based on it and we form trust bonds between people. We're not, for example, hospital management specialists. You know, we're not um, financial sector specialists. We don't do that. We would see our systems as being that augmented, that little thing that you add onto your systems that just makes a difference. Um, so it's built, our platform built from the ground up to be integrated. Um, But really, we don't want to be um, the specialists in in medical systems. That's not what we do. We would rather but handle that bit where we identify and verify, uh, display your information when you need it, et cetera. Um, And I think that's where you get the best results. If we tried to build the best hospital systems in the world, I think we'd fail. And I think if they tried to build great identity verification systems, um, I think they would struggle.
0: And Peter, have you seen uh, an increased need for employee engagement, you know, when, since we've started this pandemic, I mean, it, it's really changed the many different things and how, you know, organisations communicate and what kind of engagement is happening. Um, do you think that these vision kiosks can, for example, fill that gap where there hasn't been enough engagement?
1: I don't know specifically around engagement. So in answer to your, your first question, yes. Um, I read a study quite a while ago, Yahoo, I think, and they said people who work from home all the time, they have great efficiency, but they miss that personal touch, that connection. And people who work at the office all the time, you get that water cooler conversation flowing, but your efficiency drops because there's so much chatting. And to me, the balance is right. You know, go in a couple of days, don't go in a couple of days, etc. So I think that personal connection combined with the working from home and the safety distance is important. I will say that some of the additions to our products, I think, do help with that. So, for example, in the insurance industry, brokers are required to sit with their customers once a year physically. Now, some of them are fine with that. Some customers are fine with that, etc. But those that aren't, it makes it tricky. It's in a hard place. They, they want to physically be there. They want to verify who their customers are once a year. But there's this whole COVID thing. Um, so that's where we built in the ability to capture and verify somebody over a Teams or a Zoom message, uh, sorry, a Zoom call. So we can verify it's a live person sitting there, we can capture them, we can do all of this kind of thing remotely. And I think to me, that just gives you the options. You know, if you're uncomfortable traveling to 20 customers a day because there's an outbreak of
0: COVID, well, here's another tool in the tool shed. It's not gonna solve the world's problems, but it's certainly gonna make life easier for you. Yeah, it certainly is. And, And you know, the technology is there, you know, the connectivity is there to enable this. I don't know if we could have done this say five years ago but I mean, today we're in a different world, and I think that 5G is going to bring even, you know, even more agility and flexibility to all of this that we're talking about. But the the challenges uh, to digitally empowering the the first line workers are there. Challenges? Are you experiencing challenges and hurdles with empowering these first line workers? Sure, um, and it's usually not tech related. <laughs> usually,
1: it's the fact that there is now you know, a whole paradigm um, that they're not used to using um, and they have to adopt that in, in their working way. So um, certainly COVID is helping there. Um, you know, before we would have, for example, a desk, this worker base, um, and you you trying to roll out technology, but it's not helping them in their jobs. You know, they, they want to work in the factory, and then now you're telling them to sit behind a desk once a day and it's, it's just mm-hmm. not helping. Um, whereas with COVID, now the push to technology is, getting to the point where that has to help it. It has to integrate with their lives and make things easier for them. And that is helping to address this whole kind of change management process that we found was the biggest blocker to rolling out this kind of project. So it's not it's not the tech. The tech can be nice and seamless. It can really help. But if you have someone who's supposed to produce eight widgets in a factory in a day and you're telling them to now produce those eight and then do something else, you know you're going to get resistance. Something like COVID has just turned that equation on its head and they're going, well, this can enable me to work a bit from home, this will enable me not to have to speak to someone or touch it. So, it kind of turns the paradigm on its head and it's now, okay, to lead with tech um, and then carry on with my job instead of the other way around. And as soon as that flip happens, the next question that comes along, as I said, is people go, oh oh dear, (laughs) now we have all this wonderful tech and how do we uh, get it in front of people safely and easily? Um, And that's where we're trying to focus.
0: Uh, Peter, I mean, you guys are working on some fascinating stuff at Mint AI. Um, uh, if you can put your, your your thinking hat or your futuristic hat on, and um, I know it's difficult to predict three years from now, but where where do you see the world going in three years from now with the context and the backdrop of Mint AI as a business? Because I'm sure that you're working on lots of other different products and the world is certainly going to be dominated by AI where do you see yourselves and where do you see the world going in the context of the business that you're in over the next three years? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, two, two, three years, it's
1: a shorter time period. I would say there's a stabilization. We've all madly rushed into this COVID thing. We've hit the top of a curve and it's going to stabilize down. I I think for me, our goal has always been to use cutting edge tech to solve difficult problems and make people's lives easier. And and at the moment, there's a big need for that. I think that helping people connect, helping people trust, and helping people carry on with their lives but at a distance um, is, is where it needs to go. So every day we see new tools, I mean, not just ours in the world, where AI is going to help us connect with our loved ones when we can't see them, for example, or get our jobs done a little bit better remotely. Um, and, and we see us fitting into that, being able to establish trust with someone when you can't sit opposite them, being able to connect with them and really kind of get to know them when you can't sit with them in a room AI can help. I mean, it's, you know, it's this is what it's, it's there for. So that's where we see it going. I think on slightly longer term, I love some of the changes that COVID is bringing, in I think that, you know, if it hadn't been for COVID, the whole world wouldn't have learned to do what we probably should have done from the beginning and learn how to be, you know, efficient on our own, learn how to have a bit less fuel from our cars pouring into the atmosphere, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but certainly that transition is has been rocky and is going to be more rocky, and tools like AI can make it a hell of a lot smoother.
0: Yeah, but people are afraid of AI, and there's that that fine line. You've heard uh, guys like Elon Musk and the late Professor Stephen Hawking warn us us about AI, but just listening to you talking about the stuff that you guys are working on, it's actually very useful technology. Is there a point where people should worry about AI?
1: The answer to that is is tricky, yes, but not really. (laughs) So AI is, you know, we all get scared when a new technology comes out, and AI is not the only new technology. History of mankind has many new scary technologies coming up. And every time people think this is the first time and they, and they you know, get excited and scared. So I always liken it to something like the Manhattan Project. You, you invent the ability to fracture the atom and people get very excited. He has a great new energy source and they get very scared because you can make bonds out of this. And I'm sure you know, at the time people were having a kind of a mini or, or a bigger version of what we're going through now with AI. It's happened many, many times in human history. Every time we've gotten scared, we've gotten excited, we've come out 15 years later using it for good. Um, You know, nuclear power stations do help. Medical imaging with nuclear capabilities is fantastic compared to what we had before. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be scared because partly I think it's people being scared that stopped the proliferation of nuclear bombs. So absolutely, we need citizen voices. We need focus. We need the genesis of this thing because it's only just starting to be filled with, care, um, to make sure people are being concerned, to make sure that, you know, everyone's saying, hold on, hold on, what about privacy, etc.? But I don't think it's a doomsday scenario. I think it's similar to any of the great inventions that have come out that have really scared us and helped us. I think if you look back in 10, 15 years, we're going to see just how this thing has really improved our lives.
0: Peter Reed, uh, head of Mint AI, thank you so much for joining us on what's next it's been fascinating chatting to you and fascinating listening to a company like Mint AI and what you guys are doing and how you're adapting and changing this world that's being changed uh, and turned upside down in 2020 uh, and certainly some interesting technologies that you guys are working on thank you for your time Peter Reed.
1: thank you for the time I can appreciate it